What does the future of digital products look like? We'll talk about it on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. Is everybody ready for the Mind Dog to make it the show? Start the clock! And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Probably caught a little bit by surprise by this 3 p.m. Uh, edition here on Long Island, New York. Uh, and so am I, to be quite frank with you. Uh, I had prepared, uh, and it, just as I wrapped up the past show that just ended about an hour ago, I had mentioned that this show would be at 8 p.m. tonight because we usually do 1 p.m. and 8 p.m. And I'm not sure how or why this one is 3 o'clock. I, I'm guessing that it was probably more convenient for my guests uh, for this episode. And we made special uh, uh, arrangements to have a 3 p.m., but I totally forgot about it. And I was ready to go out when I just looked, and I got a reminder, eight minutes I have a show. I was like, oh, my God, I thought it was 8 o'clock tonight. So here we are, nonetheless. We're going to talk about uh, um, forward thinking in the digital world. Uh, you know, um, the web and the world of uh, digital products has changed so much uh, that most of us aren't really aware of uh, all that's available out there in the forms of digital products. And especially if you have a business, how you can be more productive, how technology can really um, affect your outcomes in your business. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And I think a lot of people are going to have their eyes open. I know I am, uh, when I look over what we're going to talk about today, uh, I'm pretty much uh, as a newbie on this as most of you are. Uh, and we're going to talk about terms that you probably haven't heard before or you may not have heard before. And so uh, keep your ears and your, your mind open and let's see uh, if we can learn something here today together. Uh, before I... Uh, bring my guest in i want to talk about my sponsors my sponsors today are Funwise capital you know all about Funwise capital don't you uh they've been with me for over two months now just a little over two months Funwise capital is a business uh funding uh situation they are a lender matching platform that gets you the best uh, lines of credit guaranteed you can apply online in 60 seconds or less and there's no effect to your credit score to see how much you can get use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business that's a I said start or grow your business, and I pointed right at the screen. Why? I don't know. Um, but <laughs> if you don't have a business and you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. And that's I guess that's why I pointed the screen. I said start. I guess that's why I did. You get the best funding you can qualify for. Uh, their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months, unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups, as I mentioned, when I pointed right at you, and I said, start. Remember that? Uh, they work with franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really simple. You just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. You see minddog? Wait, it's over there. There it is. Minddog. See that? Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. It's backwards here for me, so it's a little difficult. But minddog. Okay. Apply.funwise.com slash minddog. I appreciate you uh, patronizing our sponsors. Uh, as I mentioned, we're going to talk a little bit about um, – digital uh, products and the emergence of uh, uh, new platforms and new kinds of products out there that we knew nothing about. I know nothing about. And it's going to be uh, my pleasure to learn about some of these things today. Uh, Jonathan Henley Hensley is a CEO, is the CEO of Emerge Interactive, a digital product agency where he works with clients to transform business strategies, user needs, and new technologies into valuable products and services. An accomplished writer and speaker, Jonathan has lectured on topics such as connected consumer impact on business, creating value through data-driven experiences, and user-centric approaches to innovation. In 2012, he was recognized in the Portland Business Journal's 40 Under 40 as one of the Portland's emergent 
professional and community leaders. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce you to him. Please open your ears and open your minds and help help me welcome in Jonathan Hensley to the Mind Up TV podcast. Jonathan, welcome. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's great it's, to be here. It's great to have you here. Uh, so, Portland, is that where you still are now? Uh, yep, just uh, up uh, here in downtown Portland. How's how how's the uh, climate there? And I, I don't mean climate necessarily in weather. I mean how, how are things there? <laughs> well, I think on the news they make it sound a lot worse than it is. It's uh, still a beautiful city, and yeah. things have, are just fine. <laughs> you know, I get that impression because I have friends who live there, and they 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 send me videos and and stuff of not not you know not meaning to cover the news or anything, just showing their daily activities. This is what we had a party in the backyard last night. And it seems like uh, the media is blowing a lot of stuff out of proportion. From what I see on the media, it, it seems like the world is burning down there. And I guess that's not really the case, is it? Not at all. Okay. Portland's a beautiful city and a very resilient place. And it's, you know, there's, right. like any city, there's a little bit here and there of, of uh, stuff going on these days. But uh, Portland's a great place. Right. I, 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 when I was there, I loved it. I haven't spent a lot of time there. Usually weekends or four day seminars that a couple of, couple of years apart. Uh, but I, I like the area and it's, it's always been very nice to me. So, uh, digital products and the, and, and how they're evolving and emerging. A lot of people, as I mentioned in the intro, are really clueless about, you know, I didn't hear the term Internet of Things until like two years ago. Uh, and I, somebody who, the person who told me it was surprised that I didn't know what it meant. I know a lot of people who probably don't know what it means, but that's just a small part of what you do. Give us uh, the 50,000 foot view of what it is uh, exactly that you, you're all about. Sure. Well, in a nutshell, I mean, it, the digital is a huge you know, industry and space, but what we really do is when an organization, uh, whether it's a small business or a big business is looking to uh, create a digital product, which might be your website, it might be creating a new mobile app uh, with uh, behind a great idea that they have. Uh, they'll hire organizations uh, like Emerge to come in and help them develop that strategy, uh, potentially design, and then develop that that product or service. And so that's what we're doing. We're getting in there and we're really helping them look at a problem that they've identified and how can we uh, use technology to help them solve it in a really thoughtful way. Right. Well, that that's a whole wide open field. Uh, and what we see is, uh, you know, since the advent of things like uh, all these WYSIWYG web design type things, uh, a lot of companies have just kind of figured uh, we can we can do our web design and web uh, development in house, and then they they go with some off the shelf type of thing, and then it doesn't take long before they realize, well, this is uh, not a solution. It's gonna it's it's giving us more problems than we than solving things, and now we need need to go outside. And so I'm guessing those are the kind of companies that are finding you and saying, please help us, right? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, those services that are out there, you know, those off the shelf solutions are great. And they just have like anything they have, a, they're, they're the right solution at the right time to based on what people are doing. The way we kind of look at it is most of those solutions are kind of helping people, um, you know, get started um, by putting themselves online. They're kind of your front door, of, as we call brochureware. It's just that first piece of marketing or that, that, you know, calling card that you have out there in the world um, in, in using the internet. Uh, once you get past that and it's part of the way that you deliver your interactions and it's the way that you actually create revenue uh, for your organization, usually those websites no longer are sufficient. You really need to start thinking about how do you start managing your website um, as a product or you know, if you look at, you know, organizations that we're, we're all familiar with, like an Uber, right? You know, they have, a, there's an app that you would use, there's the app the driver has, and then there's this, you know, big thing in the middle that makes it all work. And, you right. know, when somebody has a great idea, they need somebody who has the expertise that knows how to build all three of those things and create something that can work together. Or if it's something they're already doing, maybe they need a, an expert to come in and help them increase the performance or, you know, tackle a challenge that they haven't yet faced themselves. And they'd rather, you know, bring in an outside expert to help them figure that out. Interesting stuff. And, and I, I know, uh, just to give you a little bit of where I come from, I 
left a marketing position five years ago. I was a director of marketing for a company. Uh, I started, I was only there for two years. They brought me in uh, basically because they didn't have the guts to fire the person who was acting as a marketing director. And they wanted me, they, they really hired me just to, to fire her. Uh, but <laughs> uh, first thing I noticed was they had a website that was built in, I'm guessing like 1996, 97. And they were a major retail company, uh, a little bit different uh, model of retail in, in that they um, they sold to people through payroll uh, payroll you, you know you get paid through your work and your work is your paycheck is your credit so these are people with subprime you know disasters but they could buy anything online through this company but it was an e-commerce platform built in 1996 and they were still uh, thriving with it although it was you know, archaic and way behind the time, nothing automated whatsoever on it. Uh, but they, and so I started to build a new website for them and it never got finished. I was like this close to finish when I walked away from it, ready to launch. And I said, but I just could not take that. And they still haven't launched four or five years later. So, uh, and they still have that 1996 website and they're still working with it. Uh, so, uh, uh, the question really is, are all these things absolutely necessary for success or can you still get by with, obviously they're still getting by in some antiquated way of, of uh, doing business, but it makes things really difficult, doesn't it? It does. I think, you know, can you get by with it or without it really depends on what type of business you are today and what you're trying to do. Um, in a lot of cases, we look at, you know, what are the expectations of your customers? Well, if you're old company, the expectations of customer hasn't really evolved much and they can, you know, get away with with maintaining it that way. And maybe that's OK. In most cases, that's not true anymore. Whether you're, you know, if you're looking at like healthcare as example, you know, the website is not just a way to get information. It's the front door to health uh, to medicine today. It's the way that you sign up for your appointment. It's the way you get test results. It's, it does so much more. That's not uh, a brochure. That's that's part of your the way that you deliver healthcare services to your community, mm-hmm. um, and so you need to treat it that way. Or maybe you're a retailer and you're looking at you know what are you know if with consumer expectations changing every few months with the seasons, how do I you know have a better connection with my customers that are going to drive retention? Well, that's I mean that is could be the make or break of the success of a business. Right. So, you know, we really look at, you know, the types of things that we're working on. I mean, digital products are necessities uh, for these organizations. They're not nice to haves. Right. Um, we're not building anything that's disposable. We're doing something that's fundamentally going to either change or is essential to their business. Right. So when people think, when they hear the word digital products, uh, I know a lot of people are going to think websites and apps and that you do so much more than that. And I, I, I just kind of want to, uh, set the parameters here. Is it basically, if I, if I'm running a business, I can come to you with anything that I've imagined and you'll find a way to make it work, whether it entails robotics or, uh, uh as you mentioned, sometimes manual, uh, like the Uber drivers and that kind of stuff. Anything I can imagine you can help build a digital product for? <laughs> yeah, I mean, essentially, if you're trying to, whether it's building tools for your employees, it's about, you know, creating better services for customers, or you're trying to modernize the way that your business um, operates. You know, we're, we're building tools and digital products that cover the whole spectrum. Um, you know, we don't at Emerge do robotics, but, you know, maybe you need an app to control your robot. And so that, that would be a perfect case where we can come in and help you. And yeah, so that, it really that's kind of what I'm alluding to. So yeah. could, because robotics is definitely uh, on the horizon. A lot of companies are using robotics for all sorts of things, whether it's in manufacturing, packaging, security, you name it. Even medicine, robotics is involved in it. So uh, are, are you uh, actively involved in building controlling devices and, and remote control like apps for those kinds of things across the board in all those industries that I just mentioned and more? Absolutely. I mean, we touch uh, that. I mean, manufacturing is a great example. You have a lot of people that are now adding digital to add more value to their products and services. Um, you know, just out of personal note, like I'm, I'm a big barbecue guy. So, you know, one of the, I, you know, love the fact that Traeger is, you know, now has an app where I can control, uh, you know, my, uh, my grill and, you know, make all these amazing foods. 
you know, that wasn't possible. They've made my life easier. Um, they've, you know, dummy proofed, uh, you know, uh, cooking for the family, but that's made possible by that technology. And so, you know, organizations are doing that, you know, at small scale, like Traeger's doing to make, you know, your grill a little bit easier. And then it's happening at, at massive scale, uh, you know, doing it within healthcare and, and, you know, industrial manufacturing and, and tying into things like the Internet of Things that you mentioned earlier. Right. Uh, so are, are there businesses that are too small to even think about this kind of stuff? I mean, I'm talking like, you know, we think of a, a small business, generally 50 people and under. I'm imagining, uh, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I, there's a certain sure possibility that I am, uh, but I would imagine that the kind of services and the kind of products that you build are a major investment, Yes. They are. They are significant investments, but it doesn't preclude small businesses from from building these things. I think it depends on what type of small business you have and does it make sense. Like anything else, you know, uh, there are a million ideas out there. And if you do the, with the work and it's a really good idea and there's real demand in the market, then it might be a really smart investment. And, it, you know, you don't want to get there before anybody else does or it's critical to your small business long term success. Um, I'll give you an example. Please. We had a, a, a client who uh, they um, they're in the flower industry, and they they provide education, and they do amazing work. They're a small business uh, that was like, well, you know what? We can reach a bigger audience if we start offering uh, our um, services online. And so they, now they provide online education, and that's transformed their business. It's made their business. Uh, you know, options of what they can do, uh, you know, infinitely more scalable and really allows them to focus on on their passion, which is their the art of, of flower arrangement and, and that industry, uh, because now they can expand that instead of these in, you know, classroom environments, they can, you know, now engage people all over the world. And so that's a perfect example of a small business who has used technology to their benefit to really scale an incredible um, you know, business that is really passionate about what they're doing. Right. Uh, th- does your work re- uh, require a lot of insight, crystal ball type of, uh, to be able to tell the future to uh, give an accurate consultation? Because as you mentioned, there are a lot of ideas out there, but not all the ideas are good ideas. Now, somebody may come with come to you with, I got this idea for how I want to automate my business or whatever. And sometimes I would imagine you have to say, well, no, 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 you, there's things you, you haven't uh, kind of considered here. Or, and some of them might be present tense, but also some of them might be future. Is that part of your job as being that uh, voice of reality to some of the some not so good ideas? <laughs> All the time. I mean, we have to, you know, I, I hate popping people's bubbles, but it does happen. You know, we have to be honest. I mean, these are big investments, as you mentioned before. And, you know, we don't want people wasting a dollar. You know, right. these are, this is important money that people have worked really, really hard for. Um, it means people's jobs. It means, you know, potentially the success of the, the organization and the business long-term, no matter what size they are. Right. So we're always really prudent. I mean, we are probably, and especially in this industry, we are overly transparent with our, our you know, uh, clients, probably almost to a fault. We don't want them to not know anything. And a lot of times, if it's something they haven't done before, we're walking them through all the steps of what it takes to, you know, cr- take an idea and, you know, bring it to market. And I think that can be pretty overwhelming right. for people that aren't used to that process because it's a ton of work. And so we really focus on, like, you have a great idea. Now let's make sure it's a problem that's worth solving for customers and before you make, you know, any other investments, because otherwise, you know, all these people that say, just jump in and build something, see what people, how people react. They're just, they're just wasting your money. Right. Uh, well, I think uh, that that's a very valid uh, observation is that, um, you know, you have a great idea, but let's see if it's worth uh, and, and if your customers really want this. That's an important thing. I'll give you an example of something I worked on. God, how long ago was this now? Uh, 2004, 2005, I worked for a company that was going to automate uh, how you accessorize vehicles at the, uh, when you go to buy a new car, a new truck, they wanted to be able to, uh, okay, you get the stock, whatever you 
pick a model and you'd see it on a three on a kiosk in 3d and so if you wanted to add accessories from it from their catalog which are all, or either uh all aftermarket stuff or the the actual you know original manufacturer uh product and see it on the on that vehicle in a 3d way and be able to turn it around see how it looks and how it's going to react on the and but we spent millions of dollars of building this kiosk system only to find out customers didn't want to use it at all when they got to the dealer they preferred the human interaction part of it uh is that a common thing that you see happening uh, where people kind of just jump into this thing thinking this is what customers want it sounds like a great idea (laughs) it happens all the time and and not just for you know you'd think that like big businesses don't make these mistakes because you know they've been really successful it doesn't matter what size of business you are. This that mistake is happening all of the time, and you know I would say that the majority from the research I've been doing in the last two years and writing my book has been has shown that most products, the reason why they fail, um, especially the ones that are really based on good ideas, is honestly internal sabotage. You know things like they skipped the steps or they didn't you know work with customers to make sure that there was people who are willing to pay for that solution right Um, you know they just go in and they start building things and they start you know working on on stuff and they you know the idea uh is is important but it's just the tip of the iceberg and i think a lot of times too much emphasis is put on the idea you mentioned the book uh you you gotta you gotta stay to plug at all no hold it up (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, I don't have a, well, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm editing right now the final draft. So okay. <laughs> so, oh, so it's not out yet. Okay. No, so it's, coming, it's coming out in, in December. Okay. I don't feel guilty about not having done my research and found it then, because I, I do did generally try to see if anybody's got a book or anything I can plug. <laughs> and yeah. I didn't it, find anything for you, so. Yeah. Not, <laughs> not, no worries at all. It's been two years in the making. Of, it's been an incredible experience writing this book and being able to meet some of the, of the really amazing thought leaders in the digital industry. Who is it? Is it for uh, business people or is it for consumers? It is. It's for it's for business um, leaders at organizations at all sizes, whether you're a startup or you're running a Fortune 500 company. And it's to help uh, you know leaders navigate uh, the internal issues that cause products to fail. And right. so I spent two years researching where I was talking to industry leaders all over the world and uh, people on the product teams, people at the executive level. And, you know, looking at what is the difference between those that continuously are succeeding and the rest of the market. And so it was just an incredible opportunity to meet some uh, amazing people and just download their wealth of information and knowledge. Wow. Yeah, uh, that's what this podcast is all about. Me uh, meeting a lot of really smart people and trying to download uh, their wealth of information and knowledge. It doesn't always take, but (laughs) it's my intent here. Um, So when I say Internet of Things, and again, I was in marketing and and never heard that term until two years ago when I was asked to write an article for a magazine about uh, where the trends in in, in, uh, Internet of Things. And I know there are... Got, there have to be people out there who still don't understand what we mean by that. So can you give me uh, some samples of kind of uh, those kind of things that you work on that and how how um, consumers use them to better um, use the, pro- the products that people are supplying? Absolutely. Not one of our clients per se, but I think an example everybody can relate to is if you Uh, have Amazon, uh, you know, like Alexa in your home, or you have any, uh, like a Google um, in your home, like with Nest uh, or in Home Assistant, those are basically bringing Internet of Things into your home. And we're, you know, you hear a lot of talk about building smart homes. So, you know, you now can control your light switches uh, because you can talk to, you know, your, uh, you know, Google Home or to your, to Alexa, or you can you know automatically through your phone open your garage doors and it will automatically close them for you once you pull the car out. Those are all uh, products that have you know bringing the Internet of Things into your home and into your life, and so that it exists on the app. It exists built into these products that we use you know every single day. And those are in, in the use cases for Internet of Things is just almost endless. Uh, and you see it at, at extremely large scale as well in, in 
you know, in manufacturing, in the automobile industry. I mean, a lot of car manufacturers now have, um, you know, an app where you can, you know, see like, where's your car been? What's the maintenance? You know, and you can actually do the health checks that you used to have to go to a mechanic for. You can see that just on your your phone just to see, you know, how is your car's health? How is it doing when you need to schedule that next appointment? Um, all of those things are founded in the the concept of Internet of Things and connecting all these devices we have in our lives and, and all these different products and services we use around us. Do you understand the consume, uh, concerns of a lot of consumers about um, what could go wrong with, with some of that stuff? Oh, absolutely. I think <laughs> that, you know, it's a, it's great that there's a conversation happening about the efficacy and, of, and ethicalness of, of the use of technology. I think right. that we've seen that uh, social media is a great example. There's really a lot going on right now, which people are like, you know, never anticipated that these would be some of the issues that we would all be, you know, uh, considering or, or thinking about. And so there's, I think, a lot of um, stuff that, that comes up with that. And I think that it's going to be an ongoing conversation that, that needs to continue to happen. Uh, privacy is always really important, you know, in, in understanding that, making sure that we there is disclosure of what technologies uh, can do and what they don't. Um, and uh, how your information is being used potentially within a, an organization or, or being sold to others. So these are always these are really important issues that, that will you know aren't going to go away, but I think are going to become uh, you know more uh, common uh, in just as a, a you know global dialogue. And best case scenario is uh, a company should should at least start to consider these things long before they even have a, a conversation, bring their idea to you, right? They should uh, kind of uh, be aware that there are these concerns out there and consumers are going to be uh, wary of certain uh, technologies, uh, especially when we talk about uh, devices that could be listening to you, even though you don't say Alexa uh, or things like that. Uh, so it, it's important in, for the company to kind of pre-think that even before they get to the point where they go, go to you for a consultation, right? Yeah, or maybe they have an idea, and at this point they're needing to flush out the strategy for that product. You know, what do, what can we or can't we do? And we run into that a lot as well, you know, where there's an idea, but they, you know, as a uh, company just don't know yet. Like, what does it take to make this real? Uh, what are the steps I need to go through? And what are the considerations? Right. Um, we worked with an organization doing some stuff for building apps for parents. And, you know, you, you instantly you can't avoid the conversation of, okay, well, if I'm having this app and I have access to information about my children, well, how, and I'm sharing that maybe with a spouse oh. or family member, you know, how do I make sure that that's protected? How do oh, I really yeah. think about the safety of, of our family, of our, of our kids? Um, and then also having transparency enough to allow, you know, these parents to do the things that they need to do. So I think, you know, those are conversations that need to be happening in the entire process. They need to be happening at the beginning when you have an idea. They should be happening as you're building your strategy so you can be addressing them, um, you know, proactively instead of reacting to things. And they need to continue to take place um, as you develop and bring your product to market. Can you build me an app to uh, keep the dogs from barking? I just had to mo uh, mute my mic. <laughs> there he goes again. Um, and because I don't generally have a show at this time, uh, the people who are in charge of keeping the dogs from barking are probably a, a little uh, taken by surprise that I'm doing okay. a show. So, well, thank you again, and thank you, thank you for the for the audience for being accommodating to to the schedule. Um, I know it was hard hard to get a time to, together for this today. So. Yeah, yeah, just let me yell for one second. Uh, yeah, I just had to yell at whoever's in charge of the dogs over there. <laughs> I, I apologize for that for the people listening out there. I kind of blew my train of thought on that. But you mentioned that the stuff about the, the children. I think that's a major concern. I think those these are the kind of things that people uh, need to hear about when when kind of having you know brainstorming. You get a bunch of business guys in in an office, and they don't necessarily. Um, see things through the cons a consumer standpoint and how, how the people are actually going to use this. All they care about is solving their problems and, and saving money or, or being more productive and making more money, not necessarily uh, what's the consumer experience going to be like. And that's where you come in, 
right? Yep, that's exactly it. I mean, we're, when we're creating these products or services, we're focused on how do we create the best customer experience and not just on at the product level, but we're looking at how do we help their entire business deliver a better customer experience. And a lot of times when you're building a digital product or service, you're also looking at how do you increase the operational efficiency so they can support that and they can really thrive and, and what that looks like. And so we're helping them understand the trade-offs. You know, if we spend a little extra time here, it can save you months of costs or issues down the road, you know, and those types of things you asked about, do we have a crystal ball? Um, you know, in some ways uh, we, we do. And just to regard if we've worked on so many products and we've seen so many uh, you know, things that, that work and don't work, we can help an organization that's going through that process, you know, just avoid a lot of the common pitfalls uh, that um, cost organizations, you know, tens of thousands, if not millions of dollars in rework or other issues that are going to come up um, as they, you know, make this investment going forward. And so in that way, we're, we're really, really are looking into our crystal ball. Um, but the biggest value in, in what we do, I think, is we bring an outside perspective with that expertise and we get their customers involved. Every product or service that we work on, we take a customer-focused approach on at every stage. And so we're really making sure that their customers are involved in helping create the best product possible. How do you, how do you, how is that accomplished? Do you actually have to, um, I'm, I'm sure you're not like doing focus groups with their existing customers or any of that kind of stuff. Well, or maybe you are, but how do you get, how do you get into the mindset of the customer and become the customer to be able to look at it from that perspective rather than a digital technologist or a, you know, a designer or, or that kind of mindset, which I'm sure most of the people on your staff are, have at least have a background in, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're, we live and breathe this stuff every day. So it's in, you know, our entire team and the people we work with are incredibly passionate about it. But I think, you know, something that every business, you know, it needs to practice, uh, you know, and I, I, I say this with a lot of passion and, 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 you know, is that there's a need for empathy when you come into a situation of developing any kind of product or service. And so what I mean by that is instead of we, if we have a great idea, the first thing then we need to do is we need to start to empathize with our customer or this ideal customer that we've identified that we think would really benefit from this idea. And we have to focus on understanding, you know, what problem are we solving for them? Is this problem impacting them? And in what ways, you know, what's influencing their decisions, what's impacting them uh, in their daily lives? What things do they need to do to solve this problem? Do they have alternatives to that, to, you know, workarounds to that problem? Uh, you know, we need to start to understand what do we know about them? And then we can go out and start to talk to people with that foundation and say, do, are these things we thought true? Are they really honestly a true picture of our customer? And, you know, if they're not, let's identify the dip, the gap and then let's really dig into understanding, oh, I, I didn't realize that you know, this, this actually doesn't motivate my customer. If I, if I build this thing, maybe it doesn't provide enough value that they're really willing to switch from, you know, what they do today and, uh, and use it. Right. So these are all really critical questions that have to be answered up front. And by getting customers involved early, uh, you can address those. And instead of moving forward with a, a hunch, you're moving forward with facts. Right. Uh, well, I'm going to, I've been trying to, uh, making a concerted effort anyway, to try to avoid the elephant in the room uh, for any program that uh, I, I'm involved in. But at some point, it, it has to rear its ugly head in the conversation. And here it comes. COVID, um, <laughs> the elephant in the room. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining that the minute or not the minute, but very soon after lockdown started happening nationwide and businesses started uh, seeing uh, warning signs of, of impending doom to the economy, that your phone started ringing like crazy and uh, people are just looking for uh, any kind of solution that can help them sustain a business and you're like uh, being cast as like almost in a messiah mode. Please help me. <laughs> help me. What can I do to adapt and survive in the upcoming economy? Yes? I mean, certainly we got really busy and I would say it, a lot of that had to do with more of honestly being a sounding board. A lot of the people that were calling us were going, what's possible? 
it didn't mean they were moving forward on things. Um, and we well, did have to not burst fun. some people's That's not fun <laughs> from your perspective because you, you're taking a lot of phone calls that are not necessarily leading to conversion to, to customers for you. And I know uh, it's part of the job, but it must be overwhelming at some point uh, because of this stuff. Yes? It is. But I think, you know, what we recognize really early on is that this is one of those situations. We're all dealing with COVID together. And so what we can do is we can empathize, you know, we, we took our own medicine. We can empathize with our customers and see, you know, what are they going through right now? What concerns, you know, they're having, re, you know, massive concerns about the, the viability of their business in some cases. They're worried about, you know, can they even, you know, continue as a business with employees not being able to come into the office or, you know, into their factories. We understood that they were, you know, and, and still many are at a, at a crossroads. Uh, because of COVID and, and what it has, you know, the impact it's had on, uh, you know, both, um, you know, the economy and individuals, uh, you know, in, in their home life. So what we did is we just focused on, we're going to listen and we're going to provide as much, uh, you know, a support as we possibly can. And because we've done that, we've, you know, we have some wonderful new clients we're, you know, working with now because of that. And I think what we've done is what's most important is we've, you know, connected with a lot of amazing people who I think when things, uh, when they are having better times will be clients in the future. And uh, that's important. I mean, we're, we're part of this and, and going through all of this together. So that empathy from our side, you know, it can't just be talk or something we do for clients. We've got to embody it in the way that we work with people. Empathy is a, a very powerful thing and a great thing, but uh, I think people have to realize that um, realism is is important too. So uh, if people are turning to you for a quick fix or a quick solution, none of your none of your business is really ever a quick fix, is it? No, I mean if you're going to get into this space, I mean there, you know, we talked about those off the shelf solutions, you know, that are out there. For some people, those were a quick solve. They could use that and get, you know, all of a sudden start selling their, their products or services, you know, um, in just a matter of a, a few days. And for certain companies that those solutions have been amazing. I mean, I know a lot of small businesses that are still around because of those solutions. And so, you know, when you look at the power of what technology has done in a crisis situation, it's, it's really incredible. Um, on the other hand, you know, if you're gonna have to pivot your business and, and take an entirely different approach, uh, and you need, you know, to, you know, to use uh, digital to, to do that, um, you've got work to do and you've got a lot of hard work and there is no easy, you know, quick, quick way to do it. If there was, it'd be the way everybody did. Um, right. And there's a reason, you know, why, you know, you look at the stats, 70 to 84% of all digital initiatives fail, depending right. on what you're looking at. And so there's a reason that it's really hard. It's complex work. So um, and this might help you as well as uh, the, your potential customers. Is there a like a checklist of things that people should uh, and again, like try to save you some time having to deal with like crazy off the off the edge ideas of, uh, um, you know, what's possible and what's not possible. A checklist of kind of considerations they should have before even coming to you to kind of <laughs> save you and them some some, you know, time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important if you're going to pursue this, you know, it's it's important to have a little bit of, uh, you know, just to, to educate yourself. There's a, there's a ton of great resources out there. But I, I would say, you know, instead of worrying about educating yourself about how you design great products or how you build products and worrying about the technical sides of that, I, you know, you can you can bring in experts for that. But something that you can't just hand off that I think that every organization and business leader needs to take ownership of is figuring out is the idea viable and building a strategy that they that can work now you can bring in people like like us you know to uh to help you do that um, if you need that help but the reality is you have to take ownership of that you cannot outsource that 100 percent. everything else you can probably outsource in the process um, but that's that's really fundamental and so you know what we run into a lot of times is um where we're having conversations where goals are being confused as strategy or ambition or the willingness to work really, really hard. You know, that grit that, that uh, is, is so valuable, but in those things are important, but they're not strategy. 
And, you know, strategy is really uh, about understanding the problem that you're going to solve and how you're going to and the approach you're going to take in solving that in unique and sustainable way so that you can really make it a, a meaningful connection with customers um, that will either, you know, whatever your intention is to drive revenue, um, you know, that uh, will have lasting value um, or to reduce costs in, in operations and your business. I mean, with COVID, a perfect example, you know, we're talking to hospitals uh, right now um, all around the country about, you know, could they create a mobile app that helps um, with, uh, you know, nurses and physicians identify based on where they work in the hospital exactly what personal protection equipment they need. Wow. That's really important. Um, that's a real problem that all hospitals, uh, you know, have. They're training. They have different equipment or lack thereof happening all the time right now. These are this. That's a product that has a lot of value. There's no question about that. Now, how are you going to get, you know, build it? And when you have, you know, 25 different top priorities right now, which so many healthcare organizations are dealing with, you know, then we get into another level of thing. But I think there's really practical things happening right now that are, you uh, that COVID is is helping organizations see are now going to become necessity as they go forward. So uh, I would think by necessity, or not necessity, but uh, just as a byproduct of what you do, you're you're an optimist. Yes, I, I definitely am. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> but, well, it's 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 curious because I ask a lot of people in all walks of life that question, and I get a lot of different responses. But I, I assume that because your your company is all about and what you do is all about finding solutions to people uh that kind of breeds optimism so uh is that part of your company culture i'm guessing it is absolutely i mean we're basically an entire company dedicated to problem solving for for clients so i mean there's right yeah i would say you know we're we're extremely optimistic but we're also very realistic right and i think that's where you know there's our our team is really focused on we don't have time to have our heads in the clouds. We can have aspirations and, and big visions and we can be aggressive on, you know, goals, but we have to be grounded in, we need to make sure we do, and you can't leapfrog. You've got to focus on what's the thing that needs to get done now so we can move the, the company forward. And so we're really pragmatic when it comes to those things with, with our clients, because again, they could put in a lot of money thinking they're going to get this big outcome and it doesn't happen. And that doesn't help them at all. That doesn't support the employees or their families. And so we're, again, super transparent with people. We're like, this is what we need to be talking about right now. And this is how we know we need to be thinking about this so that we can both be working on the right things at the right time. Right. Uh, so if I go to emergeinteractive.com, which is up on the website right now, on, on the screen right now, it's been at the bottom of the footer uh, for, for this time we've been talking, and will be in the description in case people are interested in, in finding out what you do. I go there and I see a lot of um, examples of, of kind of work you do, and some of it is surprising, and it's not all... Uh, I, I guess there. If I look deeper, I'll find out. But I see things like graphic novels and uh, car companies, and uh, and I'm wondering, like, they're all using you for solutions, but they they don't seem to have any relation to each other. And so when I see something like a graphic novel, I'm like, what the heck could he have done to make <laughs> gra- graphic novel uh, consumption uh, a better experience for people? Okay. Are you free to talk about things like that? Sure. I, I mean, you know, a, a lot of our work doesn't ever get to make it to our website. So it's, you know, it's fun to be able to talk about the few things that do. Um, you know, that project in particular uh, that, uh, you know, you mentioned was for Mercedes. And, you know, that one is where we got to work with their, you know, uh, a big creative team, uh, their agency of record, um, and, you know, working through that to, just look at how do we engage and educate, uh, you know, perspective, um, you know, customers and how do we help them interact with them in a different way. And so at the time that was really, really important to think about how they could use that in a different way. And they wanted to do something that wasn't just a campaign. They wanted to create something that was more of a product uh, like experience. And so that was a great opportunity for us to do something that was really fun and really creative uh, with a great brand and a great, great group of people. 
That's interesting because I, I all this time I'm operating under the my own uh, uh, preconditioned assumption, I guess, that what you do is more uh, geared towards operations and and things like that on you know physical uh, operations of companies. But it sounds like what you just mentioned you're more you're equally tied into some marketing initiatives and things like that. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because today, you know, quite candidly in the digital space, you know, you have, you know, you have product teams and you have marketing is one of the major owners of digital products and, and services these days. I mean, marketing's responsible for creating digital products that have to educate, you know, uh, consumers. Um, if you have maybe a, a more complex organization, maybe you have to educate a very complex, you know, group of buyers and the difference between the buyers and the people that actually use your, your product or service. And these are, you know, big challenges, or maybe you need to focus on how you're creating, you know, sales enablement. So you can figure out how to have more value driving conversations with uh, prospective customers or existing customers even. And so we do a lot of work on that side of it. Um, you know, the healthcare example I used in, you know, early on, you know, it's the new front door. It's there is, you know, we do everything through the, you know, the website from scheduling these appointments to getting our test results. This is not, um, you know, that those websites are owned by marketing typically. And those right. are really important, right. critical things that they're trying to do to share a brand and get a story out there and get, you know, and, and look at that. And we're helping them bring that product perspective to those uh, websites and to those experiences so they can drive much bigger and better outcomes. Well, as a former marketing executive, I always, of course, uh, had the opinion that marketing was the most important department in the company. And I, I came from that uh, position for a long time. And now uh, I'm finding out that it's it's coming to fruition in a lot of ways. Every single uh, business success coach, uh, team leadership coach, uh, every per person I have on the program who has coach uh, after their name is a former marketer. Uh, so, <laughs> and it seems like uh, those are the people who are now training CEOs and and working with CEOs on forward thinking. And so, uh, it's good to see in a way. Uh, maybe I was a little ahead of the curve in my thinking on that because it always seemed like. Uh, Operations and production came long before marketing on the food chain and companies. So it's good to see marketing well, taking a front front step. <laughs> I think it's a very traditional, you know, kind of approach that you're talking about, though. I mean, there's, you know, there used to be, you know, think back to, you know, all the way back to like Ford Motors getting started. You, you know, back then, if you got a job working on the line, you needed to worry about putting these four screws in this spot. That's it. And you would do that again and again and again. And that worked then. That doesn't work anymore. You know, right. these days we're asking every employee, no matter where they sit in the organization, to be problem solvers, to help right. us find opportunities to engage with customers, to provide better service, to be more efficient, you know, in, you know, in the organization. It doesn't matter where they sit anymore. That's it, true. It's a different environment. That's so true. It's successful companies. Yeah. I've yeah. seen, I've seen a lot of uh, companies who are successful, successful in spite of not having that. And I, 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 I've mentioned this a couple of times in uh, discussions with CEOs that unaware of their own co company culture, that the company culture is more about uh, identifying problems than identifying solutions. And I, you know, it's easy. Anybody can identify a problem. It's easy to say, here's the problem. Come to me when you have the solution. But uh, and I've seen some successful companies get by even with that paradigm of where problem identifiers, not solution, uh, you know, people. But uh, so yeah, that's very true. So from uh, I'm wondering, I said the word crystal ball. You repeated it. Do you have any um, insights on a big? technological kind of uh, things that might be coming that most people would be surprised to, to, to know it's on a horizon. I don't think a lot of people will be surprised, but I think there's some big things that are on the horizon that are really important just to kind of reinforce. Um, I think that, you know, one is um, I would argue that a lot of companies, if not the vast majority are now going to have to shift the way that they think about their website um, and, uh, and their tools, and they're going to have to start thinking about them as products. They have to start thinking about that continuous improvement 
and that return on investment in a different way so they can really drive success and engagement with customers. And I think that's going to be really, really important. I think that you're going to see more organizations investing into building very precise tools for employees so that they can increase safety um, and support in their operations and be able to provide that no matter where people are, whether they're working from home or traveling. Um, this kind of monolithic model that existed pre-COVID is and was already in the process of being broken down, I think is going, you're going to see that get shattered as we go forward. Um, and I think it's inevitable. And I think that's going to be a really big change for a lot of organizations. And then a lot of things that people keep hearing about artificial intelligence, machine learning, these are going to be continuously uh, bringing more amazing off-the-shelf solutions. You're going to continue to see a lot of great technologies out there, but they're not going to replace the need for uh, companies to look at how do they either create their own digital products or services, or how do they add digital products and services to make their offering even better? Um, and so I think one really good example you see a lot of now is when a when an organization provides great customer service, a lot of times that's allowing you to, to answer your own questions and solve your own problem because they've made sure that they, they can provide you great information about their product. Uh, and it's up to date, it's accurate, and if you're stuck, then, they, then they're there. Um, that self-service model is going to, I think, just skyrocket as we go forward. And so those are things that people really need to be looking out for. It's an intimidating thought for me about uh, thinking where technology is going. I, because I'm an old school guy who uh, had the old rotary phone, you know, you actually had to dial like that. Um, yeah, I had one of those too. <laughs> you did. I, I'd be surprised. Oh. You, you, I thought you were one of those 40 under 40. Um, <laughs> I used to be. <laughs> oh, okay. I got you. Yeah, we all used to be at one time, I guess. Well, I was never a 40 under 40, but I was under 40. Um, <laughs> Um, but, uh, you, you mentioned something in there that I actually got into an argument with a comedian who was on the show about, and that my, and, and bear with me here cause it, um, it sounds a little conspiracy, uh, conspiratorial, but it's not, it's that, uh, the, my view on this COVID thing is in some way we're being prepared, not necessarily by intention, but in, in in a direct way for human obsolescence. And you mentioned AI, AI, and there will always be a need for people to come kind of come up with these solutions. And my feeling on that is, well, at some point, AI will be able to solve its own problems and will be, un, uh, you know, uh, unnecessary. Humans will be no longer uh, required or, or, or necessary, you know, will be obsolete. Uh, planning our own obsolescence. And I think COVID is kind of opening our eyes to just how close we are coming to that, seeing more and more robots designing and building robots. Uh, and so it scares me. So you're, you're confident that people will always have to be part of the solution at, at forever or, or for the well, foreseeable future? I think that, you know, the ingenuity that people have to replace themselves with through technology has always been there. I think just the scale of what we're seeing now is, is kind of, you know, um, for, it can be overwhelming and, and for others, you know, yeah. exciting and inspiring. I, I don't think that that aspect of, of new technology is, um, is shifted. There, there's this whole thing, you know, which I'm, I'm going to give you the really short version um, of called Amr's Law, which basically says our expectation of technology is usually way higher in the beginning. And then it usually disappoints us. And then it takes, you know, uh, you know, sometimes years or even decades before the technology exceeds our expectations. And, you know, this is the third or fourth round in my lifetime that, you know, uh, AI has come up and it is yet to really do anything you know, uh, that, that has been ground, you know, breaking uh, in, you know, really changing, you know, the need for what we do. Now, I think where these things can be, you know, incredibly powerful is there are, you know, it's, it's speed, it's efficiency, it's processing and automating the things that, you know, where people introduce, you know, error, but where technology is far from, uh, at least in my opinion, is it is the humanity aspect. It's the it's the the feeling, the emotion, the thing that makes I think people people, uh, and it's 
that part is it cannot be replicated by technology. And I think, you know, when you asked earlier about kind of the ethics involved, I think the ethics of, of really looking at these technologies means that we need to be building technologies that uh, amplify our humanity and not take it away. Well, of course, that what you just hit on is exactly why I was talking to a comedian about it from a musician standpoint, because mm. in a lot of ways, music can be uh, handed over to AI and done to the point where you can't tell the difference between a, if a human uh, wrote and composed that and performed it or uh, or a, a robot did it. And we were talking about could comedians one day be um replaced by ai and and i said well maybe not and then he said but why not if you can do it with musicians couldn't you just sample like the george collin and richard pryor and rodney dangerfield put them all into a, an algorithm and spit out uh a comedy machine that can make people laugh and maybe he has a point there so i'm not so sure i agree with you on all of that point where <laughs> Uh, the human part of it is going to be all that important, but I, I take some comfort in your uh, realistic assessment of um, how things uh, take, uh, first of all, start out with, you know, greater expectations of the technology, and then, uh, and then we soon realized that we were kind of overthinking it a little bit too much. So I, I take some comfort in that, and thank you for that. <laughs> I, like you said earlier, I'm an optimist, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, do you work with people all over the world? Uh, you know, uh, or are you just in the U.S.? What, what's the deal with? Um, what we work with people all over the world. I mean, most of our clients are in the United States, but we work with people in, almost across uh, every continent. So it just depends on on the project and if we're the right fit for them. But it's in uh, some of those that work is the most fun. And some of the brands that we work with here in the United States, you know, they have customers in in, in every country and every part of the world as well. So being able to to support them is is, is a lot of fun. And so that starts with either a visit to the website or a phone call. Absolutely. So what we do, uh, you know, if, if you're interested in, in talking to us, you, know, you can come to our website. And, you know, what I'd recommend is, um, you know, shoot us a note. We offer free consultation to anybody that, you know, is looking to create a digital product or service or that maybe has one already or has a website that they feel like is, is underperforming and it's a critical part of their business and uh, or an application. And we get under the hood with you and we check it out and we look at it and we, you know, give a really honest, you know, no BS assessment on what do you need to do to drive your business goals um, with this uh, product or service. And then if it's uh, from there, we, we dig in and we help, we help you get to work. That that's a uh, great thank you, and uh, you know I've made a concerted effort not to give the impression that you're just a a web design uh, because you're not. You're more than that. But uh, websites are important are important and still are important in the business world, and so uh, that's not. It, it, it's important to know that you help with websites, but I don't want to give people the impression that you're just an, another web design company out there. And I've been yeah, trying, not at all. trying. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it, I'm still not sure that, and I, I hope, people get the distinction and the only way to really understand it folks is really look at the website and uh and look at the kind of products and, and kind of things that they're developing and have helped develop and, and get a, a an idea of what the possibilities are because if you're thinking this is just sounds like another website to, a design company uh you couldn't be uh further from the truth there now uh before i let you go i just want to talk about that part of it because I used to be in web design back when it was HTML and then PHP and you know all the interactive kind of technologies came on and I stepped away from it but 10 years ago or so everybody was on the board where you gotta have an app gotta have an app and I would ask them well what do you want the app to do and basically just they would well we have a website we want that well why don't you just make your website responsive right uh, so, um, so in order you know and I would say this, I was like a broken record. In order to really have a good app, you have to, it has to do something unique and solve a problem that the website doesn't solve for people. Otherwise, just have a mobile friendly website. I think, I'm not sure if that's still the, uh, the question that people ask, but I think businesses still are got to have an app, got to have an app without having a reason to have an app or, or an idea. Do you still get that? All the time. I mean, I think that's part of what's so challenging, you know, to differentiate. I mean, you've got 
you know, advertising and marketing, sales organizations, branding companies, you've got everybody saying they do digital. And so when you're in a company going out there to find an expert to help you, you know, and answer these questions, it's really hard. There's a lot of noise out there and it's, that's you know, it's really difficult. You look at the services, they all look the same unless you're in the industry and you can pick them apart. It's very, very difficult. So, you know, what we run into a lot is people, you know, saying, hey, you, you need an app. And we go, well, why? Why do you need that app? What is what is it going to do? <laughs> to your point, it's yeah. got to solve a problem. Right. And, you know, it has to make sense, you know. So, so why would I, you know, and then, you know, we would hear things, you know, like, well, it's just uh, people are on their phones and we want to make it easy as possible. And we go, okay, well, let's hold on it for a second. If you need an app, that means I've got to go to the app store. If you're, you know, on, on uh, iPhone as an example, and I got to go download that app. I got to maybe register in that app before I could do anything. Right. So why would I not just, you know, it's, so it's always about understanding, like you said, the problem you're solving, what's best for the customer, how they're going to want to solve that problem and can use that, uh, that app or a website, if that's the right solution or something that's completely, you know, different. Uh, but look at, you know, how do we create the most value and then make those decisions and go forward from there. Excellent stuff. Uh, I, I appreciate your time here today. I think uh, you come across as uh, a genuine uh, and, and um, authentic uh, problem solver and some somebody who has a real understanding of, of all the technology, but also its applications and how people can use it. So I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed by, by what you brought to the table here today and i i hope when your book comes out you'll at least let me know about it maybe come back and, and plug it when the book is out but I, I appreciate your time here today and i i wish you great success going forward thank you so much matt it's been a pleasure thank, thank you. you bye for now this episode is brought to you by put me in the story put me in the story creates personalized books for kids by taking best-selling children's picture books and well-loved characters and allowing you to create personalized books that make your child the star of the story alongside their favorite characters. Save 25% store-wide when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code SAVE25. We're also sponsored by Lovely. Lovely is your online stop for modern, irresistible, and affordable women's clothing. Never before has dressing yourself been so easy. Lovely's carefully curated selection of apparel, accessories, and outerwear are always on trend and always available at the web's best prices. Lovely is dedicated to delivering high-quality clothing to women that will make them look and feel their best. They believe every woman has the right to dress well and shouldn't have to spend a lot to love how she looks. They make it easy to wear outfits you love every day, giving you the confidence to take on the world. Lovely.com summer fashion trends are now 40% off, starting at just $5.99. Get an extra 18% off when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code JFT18. We're also sponsored by VaporDNA. Founded in 2013, VaporDNA is the premier online vape store offering an industry-leading selection of electronic cigarettes, e-liquids, and accessories. Their friendly and knowledgeable customer service team is always ready to provide the best customer service experience to ensure you find what you're looking for. They guarantee their products to be 100% genuine and at the lowest possible price. They're so confident in their selection and customer service, they offer their customers a 45-day refund policy. Save 20% when you click the link on MindDogTV.com and use the code OrionQ. Jonathan Henley, Hensley, well, I keep saying Henley, I'm sorry about that. It's Hensley of uh, MergeInteractive.com. Again, folks, um, I think that, you know, there is a lot of noise out there, as he said, and there's a lot of people who won't. Uh, if you went to a company and said, "I just need an app," there's a lot of company who just said, "Sure, I'll take you. I'll take your money and build that app for you," without pointing out the things that he pointed out. Like, you know, it, it, what 
What's it solving? Is it is it making your customers' lives more complicated? And or do they really need this? Do they really want that? These are all really important questions. So if you're considering this, uh, I, I you know I hate to give him more uh, work that's not going <laughs> to come to fruition. But consultation, get that free consultation. Uh, it sounds like a, a guy who's going to be a straight shooter and not waste your time and waste your money uh, and and let you do something that is counterproductive to your company. And that's my big takeaway from this conversation. I hope you understand where I'm coming from with that. I hope you enjoyed this program. I hope you got something out of it. And we'll tell you, friends, about it and come on back. Subscribe. Go to my YouTube channel. Subscribe there. Go to minddogtv.com. Get on my mailing list so you know when we're going to have great guests on and you know when we're going to have special exempt uh, time (laughs) edition, time editions, I guess you would call them. And uh, questions and comments for me, always info at minddogtv.com info at minddogtv.com as it turns out i do not have an 8 p.m show tonight so i'm taking the night off i'm gonna go uh design my own app i guess anyway have a great day a great night uh, i appreciate you for coming i'll see you tomorrow at 1 p.m till then i'm matt apple from Mind Dog TV podcast bye for now will you tell me that you love me what you say will you tell me it'll be true don't talk that way will you say you never leave me what the